can have a seat. Some of you know and have been following the prayer updates that we send out uh, most every day that we've had a team that went from TCC to Vienna to serve at House Edelweiss where they train ministers who go then all over Europe in many different countries and share the message of Jesus. We sent four people over a couple weeks ago, but they didn't have exactly the trip that they were planning because COVID sort of invaded the campus while they were there. And some of them ended up spending several days alone in a room, which was not exactly fun and they had to come home a little early. So they've given us a little report that I want to uh, read to you. It's fairly brief, but just to know what was going on and sort of how it all turned out. So this is on behalf of um, Sue Hippard and Shelly Coffey and Jean Heberling, and this is Diana Vokes writing. She says, thank you for your prayers and encouragement over the last week. Thank you to James. When I called last week and told him that we needed to return home early due to illness, he did not hesitate to accommodate our need, which we would have all done. As most of you know, our time at the house was interrupted by COVID. It was on campus when we arrived, just not known at the time. It was being treated as colds, which is unfortunate for sure. By the second Tuesday when I called James, seven of the 14 short-term workers were on COVID isolation with one having pneumonia and one being hospitalized. 11 of the 16 staff were COVID positive or on isolation. By this time, students, professors, and classes were put into their own isolation and classes continued with no students or professors being affected. The house had a good COVID plan that was put into play. It was not the trip we had planned, but this session provided continuing education for graduates of TCMI. We met and talked with a multitude of people who are ministering in their home countries. They are the leaders and the influencers. The short time we personally had to meet and share continues to show the impact that TCM is having throughout the world. We will share more at a later time, but now we just wanted to say thank you for covering us in prayer and bringing us home early so we could heal. God's blessing on you all, Diana Vokes. So thank you for praying for them, and we'll continue to pray for their health, and they're all doing fairly well at this point. We're just thankful that they're home. We've got a new series today. You know, I was thinking about this and thinking about the name of this series more, and you know, my guess is that most of us have a collection of something that we've got plenty of, okay? But that if we found just one more of those items, we would be really tempted to buy it, right? Like for me, it's coffee cups. I love coffee mugs, okay? If you're in my office, you see I got a whole shelf of them. Got a whole cabinet of them at home. That doesn't count the Christmas ones that are on the top shelf that we'll be pulling out in a few weeks, right? I just really enjoy those. And even though I've got enough to last the rest of my life and for my daughters to sell on a yard sale after I'm gone, if I were in a pottery store today, I would be really tempted to buy just one more, right? And we all have something like that where wouldn't it be nice just to have one more. And really, our culture is all about that. We live in a culture of accumulation. We believe that if we have more, that's always better. It's a mindset of wanting more. And it can be stuff, but it can also be money, right? If we accumulate wealth, that means we're successful. That means we've done it right. And then we can buy all the things that money can purchase for us, whether it's a bigger house, nicer car, bigger car, all the things that we really want. And we believe if we do that, we'll be happy. It's this mindset and culture of accumulation. More is always better. But here's the thing. 
in our heart of hearts, we know it really doesn't work that way, right? The stuff we, we thought would, would make us really happy when we bought it, if you're like me, you got a basement full of that stuff, right? We've got it in the attic, we've got it, we all got it in the garage, all those places where we put all that stuff that we just knew we were going to use. And after you've lived there a few years or decades, you realize there are boxes you haven't opened in a very long time and you don't even know what's in them, right? We think that more will make us happier and what we find out is that's really left wanting when we pursue all that stuff. So what's the better way? Well, today we do begin this series, and I want us to, to use Scripture to sort of counter that thinking of always wanting more. So what does the Bible actually have to say, and what does God offer that really is more than just the stuff that we could accumulate? Now, we're going to talk about stuff a little bit in the series, but that'll be later. But, you know, as we come into the time of Thanksgiving, and that's where we're going to lead with this series, if we make a list, and lots of us do, sort of think about what am I thankful for this year? A lot of times the things that are on the top of that list are the things like, well, live inside, right? Living indoors is a good thing. And, and most of us came today in a car that we're paying for or own, or, you know, we're thankful that there was food to eat this morning. We didn't go hungry. All those things, I mean, they're really important. And there are lots of people around the world who know how important they are because the things that we take for granted, they don't have. And they make our lives much easier. But sometimes we forget to go a little further than that. Because the blessings that God gives us are not all physical. They're not all the, the stuff that surrounds us. God blesses us in other ways as well. And we might say, well, well just how? That's exactly what I want us to think about over the next few weeks. And allow the sense of understanding God's blessings to help us overcome that mindset of accumulation, more is always better. So if we look in Scripture, what does God provide us that we can then be thankful for to help us think about more in the right way? Well, to get at that, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a number of Psalms. Now, Psalms is the longest book in the Bible. If you've got your Bible with you or pull one from the pew in front of you, what you find is that Psalms is pretty much always just about in the middle of the Bible. It's pretty easy to find because it's there and it's really long. So you can, you can find 150 Psalms we have. Now the thing about Psalms is if you open that book and look at it, it's poetry. And I had a guy after first service say, hey, thanks, you know, because I'm not much of a student and when I was in school and we had to read poetry, I thought that was terrible, right? And maybe some of you feel that way and you see all that poetry and go, I don't know what to do with that stuff, especially poetry written maybe 2,500 years ago. I don't get that. So what do we do with Psalms? But when we read through it, what we find is that yes, it's all poetry, but there is a great variety of literature that we find in the book of Psalms. Because the, the Psalms were used for lots of different purposes. Sometimes they were used for worship in the temple. Sometimes they were used for various processions in and around Jerusalem that would lead the people to the temple. Sometimes they were about the king. Sometimes they were giving thanks. Sometimes people were crying out to God for a need or even pleading with God that he would listen. Or sometimes even questioning God in ways that we might be a little uncomfortable with. 
And so we've got this great worship literature that forms the hymn book of the ancient Israelites and is still in use today and speaks to us because even though there's all this variety in the Psalms, the one thing that all the Psalms have in common is that they are focused on God. And we can count on the fact that they will teach us either something about the nature of God or they will teach us how we should respond to this God. So we're going to think about a psalm each week of this series. And today we're going to begin in Psalm 34. So if you'd like to turn there, that'd be great. At the beginning of the psalm, like many of the psalms, there's a little prologue at the very beginning. Okay, Some of them just say a psalm of David or a psalm of the sons of Korah. Sometimes they give you a little glimpse into the setting of the psalm, and this one does, and it's weird, okay? So here we go, Psalm 34, the prologue before verse 1 says, Psalm of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away and he left. And you go, what in the world is going on around this psalm? And the story goes that this is a psalm of David. Okay, David's the king, but this is before he's the king, right? So King Saul, the first king of Israel, is on the throne. And there's some real tension between Saul and David. David knows he's going to be the next king, but he's not trying to take the throne because Saul has been chosen by God. But man, Saul is not happy with David. There's a couple of death threats and Saul even attempts to take his life. So David flees from his homeland, from Saul, thinking, if I get away for a while, I'll be safe. And David's ingenious plan is, I'll go to the sworn enemy of my people because then I'll be safe. That was not a really bright thought, okay? So he goes from Saul to the Philistines on the coast and then he finds out, you know what? I am in more danger among the Philistines than I was when I was back home just facing Saul. In fact, I'm not sure I'm ever going to get out of here. My life is in danger. So here's another bright plan. Why don't I, I'm, why don't I act like I'm going nuts? And then maybe they'll want to get rid of me. And that's exactly what he did. And believe it or not, it worked. He acted like he was going insane, and they said, we got to get rid of this guy, and they sent him home. So David writes this psalm, sort of after all that's over, in reflection of the fact that, you know what, this was not about my ingenious plan. This was really about God taking care of me, even though I didn't really know what I was doing, all right? So that's what we have. Let's begin just by reading the first three verses of Psalm 34 and hear what David has to say. He says, I will extol the Lord. Now, many of you have heard me talk about this before, that when we see in the Old Testament, the, the four, four letters of the word Lord capitalized, we're always talking about the personal name for God, the God of the Israelites, the God who created the universe, the God who led them out of slavery, made them into a people and gave them a land. It was probably pronounced something like Yahweh. You will occasionally hear it as Jehovah, but since there's no J sound in Hebrew, that's probably not right. So probably Yahweh, David is saying it is this God I'm talking about. I will extol the Lord, Yahweh, at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in Yahweh. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify Yahweh, the Lord, with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now what's going on there is David is beginning the psalm with prayer and praise. 
And we see that at work all the way through Psalms. Sometimes they begin with questions and end with praise. Sometimes they begin with praise and then it explains why. But we see that a lot in the, in the, in the book of Psalms because this is worship language. Okay, So he's praising God for these first three verses and he's praising this particular God. Now why does he name this God? Well, if we look at the ancient world, what we find is that the people of Israel are surrounded by a number of different people groups. And each one of these groups had their God or their set of gods. Okay, And Yahweh really sounds very different from most of those gods that the people believed were surrounding them. Because the other gods tended to see human beings as sort of well, they're there for me to use. And you have all these stories about the gods going to human beings for sexual encounters. Or you see them sort of pitting people against one another and saying, hey, let's see what happens if they fight. Or let's see what happens if they go to war. We can just sit back and watch the entertainment. That'll be fun, won't it? And David is drawing a contrast. He's saying, listen, I'm praising this one particular God. The God who made us all, the God who brought us out of Egypt, the God who made us into a nation and gave us a land. I am praising this one specific God, Yahweh. Let's name him. And he did. And then verse 4 gives us a key to understand the whole psalm. This is what he says. I sought Yahweh and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. This is why David is thanking God. I sought him out, and the key phrase is, he answered me. God listened and he acted. That's why David is praising God in this moment. He's saying God is the kind of God that, that when I cry out, he hears me. And he does something about it. This is the God that we worship. And he's proclaiming that to the people of Israel, that this is the kind of God that we serve, a God who listens and a God who acts, as we've talked about before. This is a present, active God. This is not like the gods of the people around Israel who would sort of play with human beings and then cast them aside, or maybe gods who don't care at all and just sort of live their godly life up here and ignore the world. This is a God who is active among his people. He created them and he cares about them. And David understood that in a very personal way because of the way God acted for him in this moment when his life was in danger. And he's recognizing, no, it's not because I was so smart, it's because God took care of me. Skip down to verse 6. This poor man called and Yahweh heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. David's not saying he's literally poor, like doesn't have money. He's saying, this, this humble man, I'm not the king. I'm the last of my father's sons. I've been ignored my whole life, but but God heard me, and God acted. God saved me from my troubles. It's a powerful thing to know that God had heard what was going on in his heart, and something we need as well. Now what strikes me is this first section of the psalm is all about David praising God. And it's about David saying, listen, this is the God that I serve who, when I was in trouble, God answered me, God heard me, God listens to me, God cares about me, God loves me. But then we come to the end of the psalm, and it's not just about David anymore. Verse 17, the righteous cry out, and Yahweh hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. Yahweh is close to the brokenhearted. 
and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so David widens the scope of the psalm out. And he begins to talk about more than just my relationship with God and what God has done for me. And he says, listen, this is not just about me and God. This is about the nature of Yahweh, our God himself. This is about who God is. It's not so much that God just loves me so much. It's that God loves all of us so much. It's about the fact that God is a God who hears those who cry out to him. It's a God who hears the brokenhearted and the crushed. David is saying, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like for my heart to be broken. I know what, know what it feels like to be crushed underneath the weight of fear or guilt or, or pain or whatever it may be. I know what that, that's like. And God listened. As I read through all that and hear about David's relationship with God and what David says about our relationship with God, it seems to me that there's a clear message here for us. When we cry out, God listens. When we cry out, this God who answered David and is sort of the subject of all the praise language that we find in all 150 psalms, this God listens to us. And that's a reason for us to worship Him today. I mean, it's part of the reason that we're, we're here today, that we've gathered together, because we believe that if we gather in this place and we take our praise to God and we pray about our concerns and all those things that we're doing in this room today, we believe God listens. He actually does care about what's going on in our lives. And that is so important because in the midst of our fear and our pain, and whatever may be going on in your life today, one of the struggles is that we can feel really alone in that. Because, you know, even if you have people who love you around you, what, what you're going through, no one else knows completely what that's like, right? I mean, if you're experiencing pain, I mean, let's say you're talking about just physical pain. You may have someone in your family or close friends who they're like right there beside you all the way through. They are as faithful as anybody could be. And in fact, they don't mind you talking about just how much you're hurting physically. They are willing to listen. Through all that, they are faithful. But you know what? They still don't know exactly how you feel. They can't feel the pain that's going on in your body in that moment. And so in the midst of pain or fear or guilt, we can feel very alone because no one else is experiencing it. You know, I have a friend who had a really serious cancer surgery this week. And uh, one of the good things was that a good friend of his works in the hospital where he had the surgery. So she like posted updates two or three times a day. And I felt like I was right in the middle of it by her writing and knew what was going on with him, how the surgery went and the recovery started, moved to a regular room, all those things. And it was just so good to have all that information. And I felt like a part of what was going on in his life. But, but man, I didn't feel the pain that he felt after that surgery. And I didn't personally feel the fear that he was experiencing going into this sort of dangerous surgery that he, he didn't know exactly how it was going to turn out. I didn't know any of that. 
There's a certain loneliness in our pain and our fear. And part of the news that this psalm is trying to give us is that God does know that. God does know what you're going through today. Whatever it is, God knows what that is, and you, you call out to Him, and He is listening to you. Even if there's no one around you listening to what's going on, or maybe something is so deep within you that you can't share it with anyone, God knows what's happening there, and He's listening. Now let's back up. We started all this talking about more and how there's this culture and mindset of accumulation. More is always better. What does this psalm say to that? What it says is, yeah, we, we can always accumulate more. And our culture is always going to tell us we need more because there's always going to be something shiny and new that's out there that we don't have that we really want. But what this psalm is, psalm is saying to us is, listen, even though all that stuff is attractive to you and shiny and new, here's what really matters. There's pain in your heart. There's fear about the future. And this God who loves you is listening. And that is greater. That is more than anything in this world that you just want. And it is more satisfying. It is, it is deeply powerful, this God who cares that much about you. Let's think about it this way. It's been about 11 months since last Thanksgiving. Believe it or not, we're going to be having Thanksgiving dinner as a church in less than a month. All right, it's already here. Think back to that, that 11 months since last Thanksgiving. My guess is if you think maybe not even very hard, you're still going to come up with, with something in that time that caused you pain physically or spiritually or emotionally, that brought you great fear or uncertainty, or made you feel tremendous guilt. There's one of those things going on in all of that. And in that moment, it may have felt like you were being crushed. Part of what the psalmist says, right? Crushed in spirit. You felt it. And it was overpowering. And you cried out. And maybe God didn't just make all the trouble go away. Maybe some of it's still there. But part of what this psalm says, the end of verse 4, is he delivered me from all my fears. It doesn't necessarily say he made all my problems go away. But he delivered me from the fear that was a part of that experience. And sometimes we need that more than we need anything else. Because if we have power to overcome that fear, we can walk through it. But whatever it is that you've been walking through these 11 months, you're still here. You've walked through it. You showed up. And you're still here. You cried out, and God listened. And that is far more meaningful and far more satisfying than the shiny new stuff that the world offers. And here God is offering you this gift and saying it's yours. It's free. 
Just cry out. Let's pray together. God, sometimes this world gives us pain and sometimes it gives us fear and that's just the way life is and it's hard. But God, we're thankful for the fact that we can look back in the past and see that you listened to us when we cried out, that we, we made it through, not because we're so strong or so good, but because you were present. And God, we, we just ask that you will be there through whatever comes our way. Maybe through the, the pain that we're experiencing today. I'm sure is in this room. And we pray that when, when these people cry out and we cry out for them, you'll hear it. Whatever it is, God, we give it to you and we pray that you would be at work in us because we know that you're a powerful, loving God who made us and listens to us. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.